0: One of the things we tell leaders on a regular basis is don't make a decision today that you can make tomorrow. Not everything that is brought to us as a crisis is a crisis.
1: Welcome to the No Fat Cats podcast, where we help high performing teams get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. Thanks for joining. In this episode, I sit down with Chris McNiven, who leads Aspire Lead Well. Leadership is one of those topics that I've realized is just increasingly so important within the creative team context. There have been times where I've had great ideas as as, as a videographer. I wanted to produce something that looked amazing, that looked cool. Uh, but then I realized that if it A, didn't align with the core message of the organization or the company I was working with, they just weren't going to go for it. And then also I've realized is that at times when I had great ideas, they didn't get anywhere because the direct person I was working with had didn't have the leadership ca- capacity. So. I might have a good idea, but if I was working with the director of communication and they couldn't convince their CEO or or president to do something cool, it was never going to get done. And that is why leadership is so important if you want to produce amazing work that's cool, inspiring, but if there's not someone providing that leadership, you're never going to produce something that is awesome. I'm here with Chris McNiven, and we are sitting in the Well Coffee House in Fishers, Indiana, That's right. where your coffee purchase helps provide clean water to people around the world. So I'm sitting down with him for a conversation on leadership. So Chris McNiven, uh, I guess it's Dr. Chris McNiven, I believe. Just Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he leads uh, Aspire, um, and also, I'd lead it with your with your wife. Yeah, Jennifer. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you got, Did you guys start it together or co-founders? We or did. How, how did that yeah. Work out? So
0: about seven and a half years ago, almost eight years ago, we started Aspire. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a great adventure. I've, All right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I guess in this case, both of you decided to go into business, going to business together at the same
0: time. I was working for a healthcare organization, and um, the two previous years. Uh, we, the organization, had walked through uh, chapter eleven, so I was kind of running point for the organization as we as we walked through that process. And on July thirty first, the last asset of the organization was acquired, uh, which meant that I could either stay inside or could go and do something else. And so, I opted to go and do something else, and that was start Aspire. And uh, and so Jennifer and I started it uh, at that point. So that would have been August first. 2011
1: you're in the middle of of seeing what what it looks like to go through bankruptcy yeah um so i guess we're we're kind of starting off your your journey almost starts off through bankruptcy what what was it like seeing a, a company go through bankruptcy what was that emotional toll on the people involved the organization what what
0: was that like yeah so um it It's intense. I think you could imagine that, right? Um, And it's complicated because I think there were definite points of pain. Decisions you're making are impacting people's lives in fundamental ways. But there's also these moments of growth, of learning, of camaraderie. And, you know, when you're in something really deep with a group of people that you can trust, there are some pretty rich moments in there, too. So I refer to it as, as not something that I would volunteer for. Um, and not necessarily want to do again but really grateful for the experience uh, there was a lot of learning there was a lot of coming together in fact a number of the folks that work at aspire are people that I walk through those waters with when when we were when we were in that company so there was that you know there's the hard stuff but it kind of balances each other out a little bit so it sounds like this opportunity of going through bankruptcy um, was almost a, a very fundamental shift to do what you're doing today when it comes to leadership. I, th- I think it informs a lot of what I do, not that it's in reaction to, you know, I think there were fine leaders there and those sorts of things, but that it is, uh, it was a very formative time. There are deep waters that you're swimming in, and so you learn a lot of, of skills. You, you come to have strong beliefs about how things work best And I'm a researcher at heart, right? And so uh, having those experiences, it really brought a lot of the research to life for me uh, in how I think about how people lead and how they, how what they do, Directly impacts those who who follow them. So,
1: what made you decide to really get into the leadership? Now, Aspire is more of a how do you describe it as a leadership consulting organization? Yeah, leadership
0: advisory firm. So, um, yeah, so we used to call ourselves a management consulting firm, but there's a lot of those out there, right? And really, what we do is uh, we work with leaders about leadership. Now, um, those leaders are everything from frontline influencers, kind of non-positional leaders, people who just through their work practices others look to them through top leaders in organizations who are setting strategy and direction and goals who are envisioning the future right or inviting others to envision the future with them so okay great
1: now, I know especially for any kind of creative team or the process you know leadership is just so extremely important okay. because you a have to be able to cast a vision of, of where you want to go what you're hoping to do and then at the same time help get there help steer the team to get there and so I think oftentimes leaders if they don't quite understand they just they want to hire someone who, can, who they can bring on board and sort of kind of let them go to do their thing but if they they haven't clearly communicated objectives and goals the communication team just sort of goes in a different way that they want to go. It um, doesn't necessarily line up with what the leader is wanting yeah. um, if things aren't aligned. So how, how important is that alignment? Um, and, and what are some of the biggest issues
0: that you find within organizations that,
1: is there a reoccurring theme or sure. issue?
0: Yeah. So we actually look at three different areas. We look at living mission, which is all about alignment, building health, which is kind of your connectivity and, and readiness for change. And then improving performance, which is, are you actually achieving the things that you set out to achieve? And so as it relates to alignment, we look at a couple of different areas. Uh, Fundamentally, we look at identity and impact. So who are you and what difference do you make in the world are two big questions. And I'd imagine that for creative teams, those are really important to understand organizationally. Like, who is the organization? What difference are they intended to make in the world? Because if the organization's fuzzy on that, I'd imagine that would be really hard for the creative side then.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, if if an organization is not aligned properly, can't articulate their mission, there's no way that Two or three people down the line who are actually whether it's producing video or writing an article are going to be able to uh, like articulate that right. mission. Be able to reflect that <laughs> reflect actor. that mission. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, You know, one of the, always the tests is that you know seeing how well can people articulate an organization's mission you now yeah. right off the bat. Um, and if they can, then then something's probably not clear enough. Right. Um, and so so how do you help people with that process of being able to articulate the mission? Yeah. So we
0: we start with identity, we start with who are you, right? Who are who were you created to be? And so a lot of the organizations we work with are transformational organizations. So think of healthcare, higher education, religious organizations. Uh, we work with some other sectors, but those are, are kind of the three biggest. And they have long histories. A lot of these organizations have long histories. So they have a historical sense of who they are, but maybe not a sense of who they are today. And they have a, a deep sense of what difference they were making in the past, Hundred years, but maybe not who they are. So we use a discovery process that helps to kind of pull back some of those layers. We're working with a client right now where we're actually we're talking with internal stakeholders, so that would be top leadership, board members, frontline staff, kind of through the organization. But then we're talking with members or stakeholders in the community, so their lenders or the. head of the local township or community. So we're talking with different stakeholders, professional associations that they're a part of, to kind of go, who are these people and what difference do they make? And we're, we're, composite, we're making a composite 360 for who they are, right? So that's one way that we do it. Sometimes leaders have a belief about who the organization is that's not shared, right? So there's a gap between what I believe as the leader and what everyone else is experiencing.
1: What's a good way for a leader or a communication director to kind of test that out to see if things are properly aligned?
0: Yeah, so I would imagine that a communications director really kind of sits in the, in the middle spot. Like, you think they're the, uh, the delicious part of an Oreo cookie, right? So <laughs> they're kind of that middle space. And so hearing from the top leader, so who do you think the organization is? Because top leaders disproportionately influence organizations. Who they say, what they, how they act, shape, right? Yeah. So hearing from the top leader. But then, doing much like we, we do, right? Doing a discovery process, whether it's focus groups with, um, with internal stakeholders or uh, interviewing external stakeholders to kind of get a sense of who they are, who the organization is experienced to be. And then just doing a comparison of the data points, right? So, internally, we, we are this historic mission, missional organization that achieves X, Y, and Z. Well, that's what we think, but the community thinks we do something completely different, right? Um, well, then. As a communications director, now I know the story or the trajectory that I need to, what what the pain points are, what the missed points are that I need to overcome. I, th- I think for us, maybe, is just uh, all of it ultimately comes back to a sense of building a sense of trust and trustworthiness, right? And so uh, when there's a gap between who we say we are and how others experience us, there's questions related to trust, whether that's as individual leaders or organizations and the community. And so the questions that, or what we try to do is narrow those gaps of trust so that we can be trustworthy.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a very good point of being able to pull in is that the message that we're putting out on, organizations are putting out on social media, yeah. through, the, through you know video, through content, through articles, if it's not aligned with what the leader thinks they are and what current, whether it's donors or clients, think they are, there's going to be a disalignment of trust. If someone says, well, I was talking with, you know, a president, they said, use this language or
0: these were our top three priorities, but I see that you're spending your money over here, right?
1: Yeah. Like what's, what's going on? It's not, not quite
0: aligned there. Right. And And so, so as leaders or as organizations, there's we should always be trying to build that trust capacity with others because that's going to help us, whether it is with clients or whether it is with donors or whether it is with engaging our workforce. Mm -hmm. So I think, back to your original question, I think communications directors play this critical role ensuring that there is a consistent narrative, not a constructive narrative that is, you know, that shapes reality or what have you, but a consistent narrative that reflects the true identity and impact of the organization and that difference that it makes with its various stakeholders.
1: What is that balance between being able to articulate something and it being true or it simply being
0: true and if you're not articulating? Yeah, that's a great question, right? I have this idea of organizations being and becoming. So this idea that we are something today and we are always moving towards becoming something more, different, better, stronger, whatever, in the future. And so I think there is some of speaking into reality what we are aspiring, no pun intended, (laughs) to be. So I think there is some that is a definite role. I think that there is, it has to be proximal though, right? Um, because I think people, I think people generally give grace to each other on like, oh, maybe I'm misunderstanding or maybe, maybe that message didn't quite line up or something. But if there's a big gap, they won't go that far. Okay. So I think, I think it, yeah, speaking the future is good. But it needs to be closely aligned yeah. with what you're doing. Yeah. It or at least smell you need that. to be able to tell the story of how it reflects to today. Okay,
1: no, so. oh, great. So that's that's first point being you know alignment mm-hmm. um, and with messaging. And how
0: do you walk people through that process? Yeah, so like I said, we start with discovery, right? And then we do we we create um, these qualitative research these qualitative um, reports that reflect kind of our, our our research, if that makes sense. So we, we present those and we just kind of wonder with people, right? Like wonder about where their alignment is, wonder about where their gaps are wonder about where, what this t- says about them today and what this says about them in the future. So, uh, so we do a lot of this a model of co-production. So we walk with people where we act as kind of inputs, synthesizers, presenters, and then wonder with people. So what, what does this mean to you and where do you want to go with this? And then we create plans out of it. Uh, we're also, at the same time, so if we use this process, say, in strategic planning, we're at the same time looking at the market, looking at competitors, looking at different revenue streams and business opportunities for organizations so that we can go, so what is this saying about who you are today, where you want to go, and what probably is actually feasible or not feasible in the future for you?
1: Okay. Does, yeah, no, that's helpful. So without using any you know, organization names, do you have any examples of times or groups where you went in and they had an alignment problem or oh, sure. You know, how, often, how often is this? And I think the scariest part is, always wh- is obviously when organizations aren't aware that they have an issue right. <laughs> um, and, and that first step is identifying it. Do you have any examples of what that looks like? And are there any ways that the people could self-evaluate taking a few m- minutes to see if they do have an alignment issue?
0: Yeah, so I would say that um, most of the organizations we walk into have an alignment issue. Uh, It comes out to us, though, as uh, communication here is horrible. When we walk in and we start doing our focus groups, that's what we typically hear. Communication is bad. I don't think I've ever walked in, done a focus group, and people are like, communication here is amazing. It's the (laughs) best. So usually it comes at us as communication. When we peel back the layers, it is, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where we're going. I have a hard time trusting because what people say and what, what, we do is different. There's a gap there. So there's, so I would say lots of it is around, is about alignment, but it comes to us in the form of communication. Okay. So one of the first things I would do is I'd, I'd encourage leaders or kind of communications leaders to look at, go have those conversations, tell us a little bit about the organization. How do you experience it? You know, a couple easy questions. Our three favorite questions are what's going well, what's not going well, what would you do right to make it better? And so I would go and listen to those, but I would make sure that And communications, people are perfectly situated for this in looking at strategy. The first thing I would do or ask that question and then follow it up with, can you tell me more about that? Peel back the layers. Don't be satisfied with the communication's the issue. Well, tell me a time that communication was the issue. And so you can do this in the hallway, walking with somebody, hey, how are things going here? You know, Tell me about today, what's going well, what's not going well? Oh, tell me more about that. You can peel back the layers and you're gonna find it's misalignment at first, but what about misalignment? Because until you get to that nubby part, there's, you can't act. You can't. can't. Fix, you, there's nothing to do. So.
1: OK, so, so would you say that a good litmus test for people is to ask themselves, how good is communication at our organization? And if people say, yeah, communication is a problem, you know, yes or no, and if the answer is yes, and all of a sudden, all right, we maybe have an alignment issue or leadership issue that we should explore.
0: Yeah, so maybe even, yeah, so I love scaling questions, right? So like, from negative 10 to positive 10, how's communication here? Yeah. And if people are like, negative, negative 3 oh okay well that's great tell me more about that what makes it a negative three so you have to kind of press past that first one it doesn't have to like don't do it in like a focus spotlight sort of way right? Like, (laughs) uh, it's not a inquisition it's just a question just a question yeah and then I think that's especially true you know when it comes to
1: yeah to creative teams because if organizationally communication isn't clear there's not that alignment then when it comes to amplifying miscommunication, now you could try to put miscommunication in a a fancy box or make it look good. But uh, yeah, if there's miscommunication internally, then it's just not going to carry out well um, as you try to amplify your message externally.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. If a communications team is judged or's role is to amplify the message... Whether that message is positive, negative, true, untrue, aligned or misaligned, the outcome is just going to be larger. Yeah. If that communications team is doing their job, so you could have a really good communications team, and if the inputs coming in are misaligned or what have you, the result can really impact the performance of the organization. So yeah, yeah. So I think that's really that's a there should be some safety check maybe there.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. safety I mean, because I think the default can always be all right. Let's tell. Um, you know, let's tell, you know, some stories or let's tell things that are compelling, which I think is a good, kind of a good default where it's like, let's tell something that where people can connect. Yeah. But I think when it comes to the call to action, when it comes to what that overall, overall narrative is, if there is that misalignment internally, then you're not going to be pulling, you know, pulling in the same way.
0: And it can get confusing to your customer too, right? So if I'm hearing stories about, how we've helped children over here, or stories about how we've brought a new product or service line to market over there, that can feel disjointed to me. Having a, maybe step one is testing for alignment, and step two is having a comprehensive strategy to it so the pieces make sense in getting you where you wanna go. And what is that next step that you work on? Sure, so this is a system. Live Mission Build Health Improve Performance is a system. So when you work in one space, you're necessarily working in the other spaces. It's all
1: interconnected. It's interconnected. You just have to have frameworks to kind of make sense of a very, right. very messy system.
0: Right, exactly. So we think about it in terms of people, leaders, and change. Every organization has people, leaders, and change. Yep. And where those things oversect, there are pain points and opportunities. So that's that's kind of our, our general framework. So on the living mission one, that's a lot of leaders and change. On building health, that's a lot of leaders and people, if that okay. makes sense. Okay, yep. So pain points there are things like the level of engagement with your workforce. So external communications can really impact things. Internal communications can really impact things as well for your your workforce. So uh, that's probably the second area that we work in is the communication between leaders and their workforce.
1: How is that different than just overall communication? Or are there a few things to look for
0: when it comes to that internal communication? Yeah. So I think different sectors and different rhythms of businesses have different types of communication that work well. Okay. So uh, some of the organizations we work with are 24-7 shops, right? They're healthcare organizations. They never turn off. And so you need to figure out how can you communicate in meaningful ways so those people who are on third shift are feeling as communicated to as everybody else rather because it tends to be in those third shift spaces. And so having people feel connected to the organization is more important or as, as important as anyplace else whereas with other businesses that we work with technology firm or an engineering firm or something you know professional services organization those organizations how even even the even the method of communication tends to be different Uh, so there's a great tool that a partner organization of ours has to solicit and provide feedback to employees and it's all digital uh, and it's all right from your phone and it's how they manage performance and it's ongoing it's not like this once a year we have a sit-down conversation, (laughs) right? Like it's all communication on a regular basis, SMS kind of stuff, right? Okay. So there's different considerations I think you have to make on the internal side of communication.
1: Okay. And, and so do you have any examples, especially with a lot of organizations that they might have people that work in different countries sure. or, you know, it's like, I can imagine that that's extremely important, but do you have any tips on how do you identify if there's an issue internally when it comes to communication?
0: Yeah. So, uh, another tool that we use, another partner organization is Amplify and Amplify is an employee engagement organization. They, they're a insights and analytics company. Um, And what they do is they do this very thing, right? Like they measure regularly with pulse and follow up with pulse surveys and whatnot to find out where the communication issue is or where the other engagement issue is. And then the organization has the ability to act intelligently on a specific issue. So that information comes in, leadership, or in this case, over to the communications department, can then go, oh, we're having an issue as it relates to how managers are communicating with staff in a different country, how do we equip that leader, or what do we need to bring around that leader to better support them in their communications?
1: Are there any issues that you tend to see within smaller, smaller teams? Um, so let's, let's look at a team of you know, five to seven that works together, yeah. and some of them might be close. Are there any issues that have routinely popped up?
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here are, here are a handful of, of issues that we see. So on close teams, um, over-familiarity sometimes becomes a communication issue, right? Okay. So because of our proximity, we uh, may have multiple relationships, right? So you and I work together. We're also friends. We also you know, go out on the weekends or play softball or whatever yeah. together, right? Yeah. Um, so we, that's great. And, and that can really positively influence our, our work product, right? Because we, we can naturally There's work. that trust. Right. You know. There's all that stuff, right? So that's really good. But over-familiarity can sometimes get in the way in organizational communication internally, okay. right? Where maybe I report to you and we do all these things outside, but now you need to provide me with some direct feedback or there's a change coming in the organization and you're wrestling with that. And maybe you round an edge or you don't deliver as clean a message to me. And so I don't adjust to it. So that's one um so over familiarity is an issue on close teams we find a lot of communication on speculation not information kind of hey did you notice that samantha was doing x y or z right and we wondered together about that but it's speculative it's not inform. it's not informational so back to our starting point one of our rules when we were walking through that organizational transition you know that launched me in this whole path was that we will communicate on information not speculation because we can. Our minds try to make sense of ambiguous information, right? We're always speculating, wondering about. But in our communication, it has to be based on information, on things that we're fairly certain about. You know, I, I don't know about capital D truth and all that stuff, but <laughs> things, that we, things that we believe have a fairly good likelihood or a certainty of being. OK. That's what we communicate on. So over-familiarity, speculation, and information, those are two of the big ones. I think there's a ton of stuff. Related to just kind of lazy habits related to email and and those sorts of things that we can address, but but yeah, those those two are the big uh, the ones. The big ones. Yeah. So,
1: so overall, you find those are fairly common pitfall pitfalls amongst perhaps teams that are close that work together is that over familiarity. Yep. Um, when it comes to executing things, and so you just tend to miss.
0: some of the clarity we're we're not quite as pristine we're not quite as sharp we're not quite as defined or polished as we would be in our other communication communication
1: because of the fact that you're almost too
0: familiar and yeah um, no because i think
1: that is one of the things that when you don't have some of those roles clearly defined and you know i find when i'm when i'm out and there's someone who i who i've worked with before who i trust them i feel like i can get away with giving them less information because i'm like oh yeah he'll get it we've worked before right but you know, whether we're out doing a project, they would have been better off if we had been, if I'd been more clear, right? you know, <laughs> rather than less clear and just assume that, oh, he'll
0: get it because we've done this before. Yeah. Yeah. The more assumptions we make, the more space we create for an issue in our communication. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and okay.
1: then, and then, so, and then when it looks, comes to speculation, do you have any examples of what does speculation look like versus making decisions based on information?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think the easiest one, like I'll go back to that that example of of the organization filing bankruptcy. So during that process, we would take walking tours of the organization with leaders from other organizations, potential buyers. They come in, they want to kick the tires, they want to see what's what. It's all good. We would have leaders, you know, two three groups of leaders come in maybe in the course of a given day, and people would be like, well, are those. Is that going to be my new boss? Is that going to be the new purchaser, right? Is that going to, normal questions. And hour to hour, the answer could change whether they were really interested, whether their bid or their um, offering was meaningful or, you know, all those sorts of things. So things could change. So if we were like, they look really good, That's speculation, waiting for information, waiting for the process to follow its natural course and then sharing. So I think part of it is there's a, there's a thing for leaders where they don't... As humans, I think we don't like silence, right? No, that's true. And so if someone asks us a question, we don't like to just let it sit. We feel compelled to answer it. And so I think for leaders to kind of take a breath, to pause, to be okay with the silence, and to honestly say things like, when I know something or when I'm able to share something, I will share it with you, but I don't really have anything to share at this time. And understanding that people might not be happy with you, or people might not be satisfied with that answer, because their their question is a genuine question for their well-being. I think for leaders, being okay to sit with that is important.
1: With creative teams, do you find that being comfortable with telling people we don't have anything now regarding this project or we don't have any updates. Yeah. But how do you firm people and their question without feeling like you're blowing them off?
0: Yeah. And I think that can be a really individual thing. So part of this, you know, as with all good effective communication is knowing your audience, understanding that person that you're working with and understanding maybe what's behind that question, right? Where is it coming from? Is there an uncertainty point behind it? Is there a... Is there just a natural wondering, like they just kind of have a curious and expansive mind, and they're just asking the question? And I think that being authentic in our communication, in our interpersonal communication, is is important. Right, going, I'd really like to answer that for you. Uh, that's a really fair question for you to ask me. I can't do that at this time. Right? Okay. And and so not rounding the edge, not being like. Maybe kinda sort of, but being very clear in our communication. So recognizing I think there's that whole thing of recognizing the individual, validating their position and then responding. That's kind of those those would be the three things I would
1: No, I, I think that's extremely valuable, especially when you look at teams. Often there's projects that are in the pipeline and people want updates on, you know, they kinda wanna see Yeah, you know, what's going and so I think being willing to um you know, still check in with people, validate them, but also not feel as as a leader. Don't feel compelled to continually speculate about what might be going for the sake of wanting to bring news um, about about a project or something that's going on. Right. But being comfortable and saying no, I don't have any updates. Uh, but at the same time, just not have huge periods of silence. But right. find that balance between right. check in, give updates, but absolutely make sure you're not um, speculating about yeah. things and that's that's not going to help at all
0: yeah and I think I think you bring up a really good point like right? in those periods of silence so one of the things we do or we recommend is something called a stay interview, right and a stay interview has all these kinds of questions related to who you are and how you like to receive information and you know et cetera. Et cetera. but I think one of those things could be on your team is saying so there are going to be you know, the ebbs and flows of our area related to project work or related to new clients or or what have you. How often do you want me to be communicating to you what's either present or what's coming or kind of how would you like to receive that? Because by giving the other person control or having a voice and kind of choice in how they receive information is helpful to us, but it also lets them be an active part of this, not just kind of sitting back waiting to oh, hear. okay. Right. Yeah,
1: I know one of the things is extremely important is establishing just regular rhythms, communication rhythms Absolutely, within yeah. an organization. Yeah. And so you're saying that part of that effectiveness is learning people's preferences and being willing to understand what's going to work for them. Right. And, and how much you can fit that in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you can't accommodate all Everyone. the, yeah. everyone's <laughs> you needs. You can't respond to desires. someone on a Tuesday right, and, exactly. or someone wants daily updates right. or anything you, like that. but. If you can have it in your mind, oh, um, John likes this and Joanne likes that, okay, that's that's great. We can, you know, and I see John every day, then that's great. I can kind of talk to him every day. And If Joanne's like, you know, once a week. Once a
1: week, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that that is super helpful. Um, cause then, do you have any, any recommendations or personal favorites amongst the people you work with? Do you like doing, you know daily stand-ups weekly meetings what does that look like for you um i know you use a team of contractors you pull in for projects when needed what does that
0: look like for you yeah so our team has um we have two calls uh a week um friday is kind of an update call a general update call um and that and that works well for us um and uh you know we use a variety of platforms for that because we're a virtual company we uh, sometimes we'll use Zoom or sometimes just use our conference call if we're all on the road or something like that. And on Mondays, we're developing a practice around prospect and lead generation call. Uh, so on, that's where I was this morning, right? Okay. Was, yeah. We were coming out of, we were having that conversation. Where are our networks expanding? Are there ways that I can be supportive as people are going and looking? So.
1: Okay. And then to
0: give people a perspective, how many people do you work with virtually? Yeah. So long? there are, I think, uh, at Call Give or it, take. Yeah, yeah right. I call it six or seven, depending on the call. Yeah. So, okay. Right, yeah.
1: And then how is that meeting time vary a lot? Is it tend to be the same time?
0: Yeah, so Friday mornings are locked in. So it's Friday morning at 10 o'clock uh, is our time. Monday mornings are at nine o'clock. That's the newer practice. Not the Friday call is around an hour and the Monday call is 45 minutes. They are encouraged, but not required, right? We want people to show up when they've got when they're bringing something to the table. And then we have this belief about time, right? That while we set those timeframes out, if we can deal with our business faster than that, everyone loves found time. So yeah. <laughs> we can deal with stuff in 30 minutes. That's great. Great.
1: And then and how important, um, would you say as a leader that you are almost the, the biggest champion of that? And how dedicated do you have to be to, to letting distractions fill that space? Or are you able to often to yeah. keep things at bay? How yeah. that So work?
0: the Friday morning call is is almost sacred time, right? So that's our, because we're a virtual company, if we don't have time together, then we don't really act as a team ever. It is how we develop our norms, how we develop our relationships, how we develop a sense of belong and trust, build our health, make sure that we have, we're living our mission, right? We try to apply our own principles to ourselves. And Monday mornings are about improving performance, right? Like, so what else do we need to be doing? Okay. Um,
1: and then how long did it take you to, to develop those routines or how did you realize that, yeah, as a virtual company, this is going to be extremely important for our success?
0: Yeah. So we're pretty organic in how, we, in how things come to be, but that, that idea of a weekly call has been there since we started. Sometimes it, I think early on it was twice a month maybe we started and we got to a point where we're like, if we're not talking more frequently... We're all just kind of floating out there. So. Yeah.
1: I know that, that, that even just scheduling weekly calls, I've found it's important for, you know, client projects, who you work yep. with remotely. They don't want to connect until they feel like they have something extremely newsworthy to bring to the project. Right. Inevitably, what happens is you'll go through a period of, you know, sometimes weeks yep. with no updates when really having that forced. Yes, we're going to schedule a time, even just a 15 minutes once a week to bring updates to the table things would have just happened and by nature things get revealed in a conversation they might not have thought were important or they might have thought of after thinking about something for ten minutes
0: I I think when you're in a virtual relationship whether it's with a client or whether it's with your team you miss proximity you miss that being together and so uh, we call it like incidental walk, uh, incidental contact. Yeah, uh, that's kind of like when you're walking in the hall and you're like, oh, hey, Wesley, I just was going to, you know, ask you about right, that's, yeah. X, y, or Z." this came to mind. Can we, you know, so incidental contact, you have to create space for incidental contact to happen, whether it's with clients or your team. I think if you don't, all you do is you're stretching out your your trajectory. You're not going to achieve high performance as a team as quickly. You need that kind of incidental points one of the best practices we have is that as a virtual company creating moments for incidental contact to occur because I think that is something that, as
1: more and more companies go virtual yeah. they, they maybe they don't realize
0: they think everything has to be
1: about an extremely important agenda but but it is some of that in person when you're you know grabbing a coffee yeah. and oh something comes to mind that virtual companies are gonna
0: especially virtual teams need to be able to figure out how to how to do On our Friday morning calls, 15 minutes of our 60 minutes are laughing at or with each other. And I think that doesn't happen. Well, A, I think that directly increases our ability to perform well together, Uh laughing together, right? Having a relationship. And B, inevitably something pops out of that laughing, joking time that is meaningful for us to kind of figure out. Okay. Right? So, or talk about. So do you, do you schedule that or how? The laughing,
1: joking? No. <laughs> yeah. Or, or is that just. <laughs> everybody laugh now. No. <laughs> like, but I mean, do you, do you just start off
0: with, oh, I don't have any specific questions or what does that look like? Um, usually, uh, so our call starts at 10. Usually there's a few minutes where people are just kind of getting onto the call or whatever. And so we're having crosstalk and catching up and those sorts of things. And I try to make it a practice to listen for something or find something that we can kind of kind of blossom open up a little bit right okay and you know more often than not it's at my own expense but that's okay (laughs) right you know what I mean yeah but that's that's I think that creating that makes it a safe opens up some creativity places for us so we think differently when we use humor so that's that's kind of the stuff of incidental contact sometimes it's just there's a little silliness in there that sparks an idea that now you can run with so No.
1: Um, well, I, I think that's one of the things that the often teams are missing because often, especially when it comes to communication teams, creative teams, you're using a mixture of, of contractors who maybe aren't in-house, um, which I think in some ways makes a lot of sense is that a absolutely. lot of organizations don't necessarily need to have a full-time PR, videographer, graphic yeah. designer, web person, yeah. you know, ODP photographer. For, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're the same
0: way. you yeah, like, should not have us inside.
1: <laughs> yeah, like you don't need to have all those people inside, but right. what, what happens is they don't create those opportunities for incidental contact where the PR person who's on contract doesn't even know what the graphic designer is doing or they never even talked. They've never even met, um, let alone had those chances for that aha spark moment of, wow, we could collaborate together to help this common organization that has hired both of us to accomplish their goals. Um, but they kind of just get piecemealed in silo, you know?
0: I think that goes back to two things. One is, The overall strategy of how are we putting this thing together, right? This communication department together. And number two is understanding the identity and impact of those individual contributors. Because if the theory of multiplication weigh more than the theory of addition. So addition, right? So we've got one PR person, one graphic designer, one videographer, one. Great. That's fantastic. But when those people are working in some form of relationship, it becomes synergized. And so you're not going one plus one plus one. You're going one times two times three, right? Like you're taking it out. And I think like the output, the improved performance part just skyrockets at that point for that department. And that reverberates out to the organization. Then if you don't start it with relationship, I think you can expect to have pretty status quo stale results.
1: Yeah, that's extremely important. And that helps me kind of put a word to that is that, you know, incidental contact that yeah. I knew that yeah. yeah just interacting with people was important but when when you you as a leader or as a leader the communications director or the leader of the organization is not intentional yeah. about doing that um, I think you're right it just becomes that one plus one you yeah. know um, I mean to give you an example at one point I was you know talking with a you know graphic designer um, and I knew that this organization could use you know kind of an animated video but you, and both of us talked and it was the incidental t- contact together but we didn't know well, who's that person in the middle? Do right. they even want this product? But so we had this incidental contact, contact without clarity right. um, from from the central. But I think sometimes people will either, they don't get both of them. They'll focus on, all right, let's get the clarity results, but don't create incidental contact. And incidental contact without
0: Yes. That clarity. So true.
1: Doesn't, and roles and responsibilities doesn't lead to action.
0: Yeah. And it can just create chaos too. If it's just incidental contact, right? Like if it's just building health in our kind of vernacular, right? If it's just that, that's great, but you're not going to get a result. It needs to be focused, channeled, moving towards something explicit. mm -hmm. Otherwise... You're just proliferating something. Something, yeah, for the sake of. Which, it's like culture, right? So we say culture always is. It just is, do you have the one that you want, right? Like, yeah. Are you building it with intentionality, or are you just allowing it to kind of grow? Yeah, everyone has a culture, but exactly. it's just a matter of exactly. whether it's the culture you exactly. want to have or not. Like, do you like the one you have? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're choosing it by not choosing.
1: By so. not choosing, yeah. It. yeah. No, absolutely. Any last, last words? I think what you've had has just been extremely
0: helpful uh,
1: for teams. Was there a, a third point?
0: So, good mission, build health, and then improve performance, right? And it really touches, I think, what we just said, which is improved performance is all about being clear on where we're headed, not trading wins today and wins tomorrow. Like, it's not either or. The wins we have make today should lead us towards wins tomorrow. I think a lot of times organizations make short-sighted decisions because they feel oppressed, right? So, they, they feel some financial crunch. They feel a talent crunch. They feel something. And so, they respond today and get the win today but they shortchange themselves in the future. And I would imagine that might be true in communication teams as well, is that we can make that impact today. We can make that splash today, that statement today, but it really doesn't stay true to maybe who the organization is or where the ultimate sustaining trajectory is. And so sustainable performance is the key. We can achieve and sustain. We don't have to
1: that. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the common issue that the groups have is feel the pressure to... To respond to the here and now and they get so caught up in the whirlwind of everything they're doing and they always feel that need to respond now that that they lose the ability to have long-term planning and to stick to what's important and so they they can get caught up with putting out today's fires which you know to a certain degree does that theory of all right do you put out mm-hmm. today's fires or, or do you let them burn and then right focus on what you need to right um, but you're saying it's kind of that that mixture of of taking care of things today but also making sure you're planning for those long-term wins
0: yeah I, I think one of the to that pressure point piece uh, one of the things we tell leaders uh, on a regular basis is don't make a decision today that you can make tomorrow hmm. um, really I'm,
1: I'm curious can you go, go into a little bit more
0: yeah often we you know there's 17 phones lighting up on our desk okay. and we feel like we have to answer them all but if we take a minute it's just like that thing with silence If we resist the impulse to respond immediately and trust that we've set up some decent processes back here right Um, or trust the people around us we don't have to respond to everything right away some things will just burn themselves out not everything that is brought to us as a crisis is a crisis and so there's a there's a model of discerning that we use uh, discernment that we use it's a little bigger than for maybe right now but um, the basic idea is Figuring out which of those things you don't actually have to respond to today, or someone else can respond to, and only dealing with the things that you have to respond to today. There becomes what it does is it affirms uh, our choice as lead, our capacity to choose as leaders, our ability to have agency, right? As, a, as opposed to always being on our back heel, we can be on our front foot and step into those things that we believe need our attention. So it helps us prioritize our time. <laughs>
1: Okay. So you actually really push people to, um, to to stay focused and actually say only answer those things today that have to be done. And if, if we could push it back,
0: it might actually resolve itself. Yeah. Time is finite, right? It's, it's one of the only resources that we actually believe is finite, right? Like we're pretty big pie people. We haven't cracked time yet. So, um, but, but yeah, like, so what is it that requires your best attention today? Because I'd much rather you put your best fullest attention on fewer things right than partial attention on many things
1: no, I think that's that's gold, that especially in the resource of all the pings and notifications that people have' <laughs> There's yeah. I- in no shortage of distractions out there
0: yeah yeah we gen we regularly work with leaders who have these massive whiteboards filled with must dos right <laughs> yeah right and and in small companies and in large companies leaders love their whiteboards for some reason, whether it's real or virtual or what. Yeah. Um, and we work to help them focus on what are the priorities on those whiteboards as opposed to what is everything on that whiteboard? Yeah, no, absolutely. What is that? What is
1: that? It's what, what is essential and what is important? Yeah. yeah. What, just- are,
0: what are the select few important things Focus there? Focus so, there. No, yeah.
1: great. Great. Well, I, well, as wrapping things up, I know I do have to get, give you credit for uh, the inspiration for the name. No fat cats uh, at the podcast uh, was one of our, our initial conversation where we yeah. looked at your ideal, um, the ideal, your ideal client. Um, and I know you, as does that, that the conversation we're having in, no yeah. you know, would you be explained who do you find are the ideal people when it comes to, to performance? Um, and, Yeah. Why is that?
0: Yeah, sure. So in our conversation, the idea is on a on a bell curve, right? Um, People at uh, the high performing end um, tend to be in a place where they're doing well and want to do better. And people on the far left end, on that tail end, are are a place where uh, the environment is requiring them to do better. Right. And so both of those organizations have um, desire to improve in the middle sometimes we're we're fat cats right like we just kind of, we're just kind of fat and lazy and it's okay right like things are going well and we want to keep things going well i think the thing that we try to help people remember is that you're there for a time but the world is always changing yeah. and your organization's always changing so you will move one way or the other in which way do you want to move? Which right. way do you want to move? Do you, yeah.
1: Are you going to either be going to the, the to end the right. of crisis, yeah, 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 to exactly. the to right and being a high performance team right. or going to the left uh, down the slope yeah. and going into crisis? Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why um, as our tagline is just, you know, we help high performing teams getting in better yeah. um, because you have to either view yourself as a high performing team that is getting better or you're just going to be in that space. And so if you're, doing what you think you're doing well you know and you're not looking to get better eventually you're going to hit a hit yeah. a crisis you know you might be fine for now but eventually yeah. there's going to be some sort of downturn
0: that's going to force you One, the way world another. has a crazy way of presenting you with challenges you never thought you'd face right yeah and uh in those moments if you haven't been doing your work all the way along yeah yeah you're gonna you get back on your back foot there so. yeah
1: no absolutely all right well pleasure to speak with you chris yeah, thanks for that chance. for joining Thank on the podcast yeah thanks for having me it's all great. right thanks Thanks for listening to the No Fat Cats Podcast, where we help high-performing teams get even better. That was my conversation with Chris McNiven from Aspire Lead Well. Um, I just love the leadership tips he had to bring to the table, learned a lot from him, and one of the things I'm going to try to do better moving forward is uh, you know, start doing less. I think as a result of conversation, I've just realized that I've been doing almost trying to do too much and need to be focusing on only bringing my full attention to the things that really need my attention and trying to do better job at doing fewer things rather than trying to do more things. So thanks for listening to the no fat cats podcast and join in next week for a conversation with Tom Gearhart, who has been a financial advisor for me um, since I was born. Um, go into what exactly that means next week, but I've just seen, especially in the freelance world, I know the conversation about retirement, especially within the gig economy, it is a little bit complicated. Uh, you know, we no longer are all working for big companies that promise pensions. At the end of the end of retirement, you just show up, work for forty years the same company, and then uh, get your retirement. The world no longer works that way for many of us, especially in the creatives, and we just have a conversation to make sure everyone. Is at least aware of the basics of what does it look like to, how do you save for retirement? What does that look like? And um, so it's gonna be a different sort of podcast, but we'll very much focus on kind of that leadership aspect and the realization that I never want people I interact with to have gone through, you know, 40 some years of producing great work uh, and then reach their 60s and have uh, a panic moment where they realize that their whole life they haven't been saving for retirement. And if this next episode helps just one of you um, plan better, then it will be worth it.